3: hello everybody it is john pollock and waiting here with your post daily news update for friday april the 8th the uh season finale of waiting just in general as he is uh he is getting his much deserved off season uh as soon as rewind to smackdown ends tonight
0: yeah that's right yeah one more show for me this evening but then yeah i'm off uh for at least a week plus actually to uh to a bit of a vacation, so uh, thank you in advance, John, for
3: holding down the fort for the next week. We'll see if I'm still standing in a, in a week. Not so much uh, physically, but uh, technologically speaking. But uh, way has been a very good. Many uh, many video tutorials uh, for me to go through this weekend. But I'm all set. I'm ready for it. Uh, lots to come next week. But that is next week. We have lots to discuss today. A little later on, the big Phil combo himself, Phil Chairtalk, will be here to preview UFC 273 on Saturday night. And what is going on. And that takes us to our first story because it involves UFC. It involves WWE. And it involves our new passion, Formula One.
0: Drive to survive. Yes. The greatest sport known to man.
3: This is by far one of the best edited. One of the best. This is one of the best series I have ever. Like I am excited to sit down and watch this. And I'm watching this in 2018. I have no idea what's happening. I don't know where these guys are going. All of a sudden, Daniel Ricardo is jumping. I get I audible gasp when this happened. I had the text way.
0: Oh, it's surprising. Yeah, it's I think it's more surprising for for us because we're they do such a great job of introducing the world of this sport and the politics behind it
3: and unparalleled access like they are picking mm-hmm. up on like conversations. And this is not as though this is some, you know, D league that, you know, they're going to hand over all their access like Formula One is Formula One, and I'm just – I'm amazed that, like, there are millionaires, probably in the case of some of these billionaires, that are being miked, that are giving up – it's it's incredible the access that, that this is. It's, uh, like, the greatest commercial ever for Formula One that you could ask for is this series.
0: Yeah, you, you wonder, you know, if they're contractually bound to take part – or, or whatever. But I I have a feeling these sort of moves happen a lot more often than we think, but because they do such a great job of like, I think building up maybe somebody's loyalty. Um, when you, you hear about something like somebody jumping from one team to another, it feels so shocking to us newcomers. But I, I mean, it's, it's making new fans of a lot of people. It, I think is very similar to like maybe what the ultimate Fighter did for MMA at one time. And, you know, we, we talk about, it's it's completely
3: similar way. Like when Dana White had always talked about, like he wanted something in the style of Tuesday night fights. And to me, that was not going to expand your base. It was doing something that was going to connect you to these personalities. And remember 2005, it was novel just to see a fight on television. It was not, like today, where it's just it's commonplace. Um, but that takes us to the, this uh, article by Alex Sherman of CNBC, who uh, did a lot of reporting here. And kind of his thesis is that with the escalation of these television and streaming rights fees that are going to continue to climb and climb, there are some leagues that are just out of reach for these companies like an NFL or an NBA. You're not going to be able to just purchase them outright. But there's sort of that that middle to lower class as he classifies UFC Formula One and WWE that they're sort of in that sweet spot where they would be within grasp and rather than the, the streamers and other media companies playing this game of continually having to up the rights fees like why not you just go for the big purchase and then you offset that and that would be uh, over the long term play itself out and the perfect case is UFC that. Uh, in this piece, it, it outlines that Disney was in talks to buy the UFC, but then-CEO Bob Iger nixed the deal, feeling that it conflicted with the Disney brand, which was hilarious because we go to 2019 and they get the television rights. They also get the rights to their domestic pay-per-views, and that was a huge factor in the growth of ESPN+. Plus. So Disney is well in bed with the UFC, and... You know, they UFC, as much as we talk about WWE and AEW, it's UFC that to me stands to make uh, God knows what in their next round of negotiations. And uh, you you look at all of these. um, It's a very fascinating article and really piggybacks on a lot of what we went over. What Nick Khan said about that Comcast, NBC Universal, they they need strong intellectual property. We are someone that has a lot of that, and it's time for us to monetize it. So it all kind of, to me, weaves together, and in all of these negotiations, you know, the idea of a sale, you would have to think, is at least presented on the table if you're Comcast and uh, – NBC Universal like do we want to give you a gigantic increase and then we're right back here in five years where maybe even more um so again this is such a big story to follow and you know this is sort of outlined as kind of the the pros of going that direction for these companies Mm -hmm. and you know pieces like this that specifically mention
0: and pull WWE in there with you know brands like NASCAR and the UFC and Formula One are exactly the type of press that it needs you know that a nikon or vince mcmahon needs to continue to drive up the stock value to continue to drive up the value of the brand itself um and to me as uh, somebody who criticizes the on-screen product it's important to see articles like this because you know exactly what the decisions are that they're making um, with everything is leading to to something like this whether it be you know for a, a future negotiation in TV rights deals or for their Mike's hard lemonade types of promotions that we're seeing on screen right now everything is about being able to prove to potential buyers or potential advertisers or potential rights holders of the unique potential that exists with a company like the wwe where they can offer their characters you know as part of your commercials um on top of perhaps you know other 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 benefits to your over the top streaming service and and a wide number of things so the wwe continues to find itself in tremendous position
3: yeah i i look at the ufc as a very interesting one because you know they have you know they have you know, the track record now of what they have provided, And, and it's, and it's been both ways. They have benefited greatly from being attached to ESPN, but in turn, uh, they've been a big part in building ESPN plus and, and helping grow its subscriber base. That's, you know, it's also been bundled with Disney plus and it's, um, you know, the, the pandemic helped the, those, those streaming services, but the UFC was a big part too, is that, do they look at the idea that a lot of people scoffed at this sale price when Endeavor bought this in 2016 today, it looks like a hell of a bargain, and that's sort of – you're thinking that um, we may view ourselves as something that in five years is much more in, in the realm of an NBA. I don't think we're, we're going to be talking NFL, but with the UFC, uh, maybe they're not looking at themselves as sort of a, a niche brand or something that is – like our, our value could – if you're Endeavor, our value five years from now may be even greater that we, we are not looking to sell at – Just based on our own valuation or if
0: they are i mean you know it'll take uh, i I think um some pretty healthy projections of where they will be potentially in five to ten years for them to up that price to justify whatever selling price that you know a potential buyer like a disney or one of these other companies that are mentioned like a netflix or an amazon um might be in the market for um and the WWE is, I'm sure, watching all of these negotiations very closely and trying to figure out their own value, maybe, you know, at least, you know, what they can convince other people that their company may be worth five to 10 years from
3: now. And uh, off of that as well, uh, John Orand at, at Sports Business Journal, he put out an article today going over the Formula One rights. And these are just interesting because I their rights are up with ESPN at the end of this current season. and. From his article says, sources say that ESPN is paying in the neighborhood. Get this. What, what do you think F1's rights are in the U.S. per year? Uh, okay, so what? WWE is? 265 average annual value for Raw, 205 for SmackDown. What do you think F1 is getting from ESPN per year? I feel per... like it might be h-
0: higher for F1 just given maybe the, the perceived um, increased affluence of, of its audience, I have to think. 300?
3: $5 million approximately. What the fuck? Really? For x amount of races. I mean, I know they
0: only do races like what, like once every two weeks or, or something, but um, five million is incredibly.
3: I was stunned low. by that figure. I, like, I have not followed like Formula One's uh, rights, but wow. I, Again, that's that's domestic. It's not accounting for, for like their worldwide uh, revenue. But ESPN signed a three-year deal worth fifteen million in twenty nineteen and holds F one's U S media rights through this current season. Again, from the article, F1 has told executives that it wants its U.S. media rights to be more in line with international soccer rights. By comparison, ESPN pays the Spanish Soccer League, La Liga, around 175 for rights and German Soccer League, uh, Bundesliga, around 40 per year for its rights. And he goes on to say, most sports business executives contacted for this story believe F1 will get a substantial increase but view the $75 million figure that they appear to be seeking 15 times higher than they currently get as fantasy.
0: Jeez, wow, I was way off pace thinking. And look at their numbers. What am I thinking?
3: And, and look at their numbers there. Like, they have grown throughout the, these last three years. And again, a lot of people assign this to the success of Drive to Survive, which was just renewed for a fourth season as well. So as as television is going down, uh, we have seen in the case of Formula One, its, it's overall viewership has gone up. At, uh, and we've also seen, like, to a lesser extent, AEW's numbers have gone up as well. So... Those are kind of interesting just to watch F one because their rights are up before uh, WWE or AEWs of sort of where where the wind goes in in terms of Formula One. But I would say, way this is a great time for us to jump onto Formula One. <laughs> I think so too. There's actually a reason to be to be following this for um, just just for uh, an example this year of like rights being up and. What Nikon had stated a long time ago—that the big players are going to see sizable increases—but it's that middle class, he said, that might get affected because there's only so many dollars to go around. Middle class, you would you would assume that that would be kind of a Formula One, but and and they seem to be very very hot.
0: Yeah, but, you know, in all of this, it's like for me, like just wondering how, like what what unique opportunities that professional wrestling wrestling might offer that you know a real quote unquote real sport might not. In, in, you know, like a, a sport that you can determine the outcome for, um, a sport where you can create characters specifically to, I don't know, match the brand values of whichever well, company. This is you're what we're talking created. about with
3: intellectual property is that, yeah, you would love to have a, a Conor McGregor, but how can you protect a Conor McGregor? It's Mm -hmm. it's that is a huge advantage pro wrestling has when we're talking about characters that you can monetize that you can market and for a long period of time like you can book them in such a way you're always going to be at the mercy of injuries or personal issues but you can protect that person in terms of what they do versus Ronda Rousey for instance like super hot and then you know two fights and she's gone. And again like all of this is
0: really important for us to discuss because it influences every decision that this company makes. You know, a story like the Nash Carter story that that has recently come out. What what do they have to gain from being attached to any sort of controversy that might find itself, you know, um being being kind of caught into the same discussions as people that are considering purchasing them like a Netflix or a Disney. Um, So, you know, kind of thinking about it in like big picture terms like that, a decision to let somebody like that go to me doesn't feel as controversial.
3: Uh, New Japan World has announced that Dynamite and Rampage are going to be coming to the streaming service for those in Japan. This is a domestic deal in Japan and also noting that a Japanese version of each show is also in the works. So this is I would say this is the most uh, significant deal so far between AEW and New Japan outside of some some talent swaps uh, we've seen. This is something you know uh, of significant value because those in Japan prior to this deal uh, had to rely on the AEW Plus option on fight tv uh, to follow the product and just the fact they're investing in a japanese version um it, it tells you that this is um s- something of significance
0: sorry so can you clarify this um will america will, will will people outside of japan have access to the japanese versions of these
3: shows My impression is no, because they do not have like there are existing deals like that would would counter like your deal in TSN or in Canada with TSN. Even though
0: presumably this is taking place like these these shows will be uploaded, not not live, but after the fact.
3: Yeah, I mean, like like Warner Media, they have the the online like digital rights to Dynamite and Rampage and you wouldn't like to my understanding, Mm. this is all just for Japan.
0: Okay, understandable. Of course, there are ways to probably get around that through VPN and whatnot, but nothing—nothing—that's you know that—that's a part of this conversation at least. But uh, I mean, the bigger story here is just the continued deepening of a working relationship between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, you know, it wouldn't be so shocking to see. I mean, it wasn't shocking already to see you know a New Japan star pop up on AEW TV, but now it's almost like. I have to say, maybe even somewhat um, anticipated the next time, you know, an Okada might might do a U.S. tour.
3: Tonight, we've got a SmackDown taking place from Milwaukee. And, of course, they've advertised... Roman Reigns will be on the show to explain what is next for him. And I guess the the most interesting part of this show is that uh, PWInsider.com's Mike Johnson is reporting that Cody Rhodes is scheduled to be in Milwaukee tonight, although not noted in what capacity. And I would say, Wade, like... There is an interesting debate of whether you hold off on Cody Rhodes challenging Roman Reigns for a big event like a SummerSlam or down the road. Or do you go to when it's going to be at its hottest and Cody Rhodes is at his hottest now coming in uh, immediately. And your options, I would say, with with Bobby Lashley tied up with Omos, like your options are Drew McIntyre or Cody Rhodes uh, for this backlash show if, if Reigns is wrestling on that card.
0: You know, from a storytelling perspective, I feel like delaying the gratification of him challenging for a championship a little longer would probably make me a little bit more potentially invested. But uh, then again, you're talking about a professional wrestling company where having more time to tell a story isn't always a good thing. So um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to jump right to it. Um, and, you know, maybe probably for this one, have Cody not necessarily win, although anything can happen, of course. But uh, I, I get that concern. Um, but, uh, I, I also feel like, you know, backlash just feels like such a nothing show. Um, typically,
3: I I think that there is a middle ground. Like I I do feel that that title match should like, it was hit hard on Monday, like by traditional WWE, like you see that promo on Monday. It's like, this guy's going for the title. Now this is not uh, typically a long-term, uh, kind of based, uh, programming. I could see, um, an interesting one would be do Cody and Brock at backlash. I think that's like a big enough match. Wow. It's, it's different. Yeah. And I, wins? Cody. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's hard a, to wow. pull off because Brock is now coming off of you know a pretty clean loss on Sunday. But he is advertised for that backlash show. And if not Cody, then where for Brock? I cannot see them revisiting anything with Reigns and, and Lesnar again after Sunday.
0: I think going with, you know, like a a main event level name to pair with Cody is a great idea. Like the the guy is really hot right now and how do you follow up a Seth Rollins match but with somebody I would say on a higher caliber than a Seth Rollins, you know, something that feels still like an attraction for somebody who still very much has that AEW luster around him as, you know, feeling like sort of an outsider. So, um man, Brock Lesnar just feels like such a such a big jump from from a guy who used to be perceived as stardust. Um but uh, it would be a big match to me just wanted to clarify here karen peterson is in the room thank you karen peterson she she indicates that the uh the message that was uh noted here on the graphic actually means within japan so just this seems to be a bit of clarification that yes indeed this japanese commentary will be available within japan
3: yeah yeah like they, they would not have the ability to broadcast this outside. Like that would just be in violation of existing contracts you have in other regions.
0: Yeah, I just think that was, that was important to note because I think a lot of people were excited about the possibility of, of being able to hear Japanese commentary over top of AEW wrestling.
3: Well, again, there, there's ways around it that I'm sure people will will, will find it. But I I didn't uh, suspect that they w- would have the ability to to do so. Rampage on uh, tonight: um, Brian Danielson against Trent Beretta. Swerve Strickland taking on QT Marshall. Uh, the Owen Hart Foundation qualifier with Willow Nightingale against Red Velvet. And the match that everyone is buzzing about coming out of Boston on Wednesday, John Moxley against Wheeler Utah. So I would say this was certainly um, a much, much more heavily hyped-up edition of Rampage. And that will continue next week with Hangman and Adam Cole. Uh, but Rampage will be moving because of the, uh, it's the NBA next week, that they will be on at 7 p.m. Eastern time next Friday instead of the usual slot of 10
0: for a championship match wow mhm yeah i mean that's that's going to you know do a little bit of damage for it but i mean having a the thing is that when you have a match that i think is is hyped up people will go out of their way to make time to watch it. If not necessarily alive, then certainly after the fact. And that certainly f- feels like it's the case this week when I would say, again, the taped aspect of this particular edition of rampage probably actually helped it because coming out of this, sh- the set of tapings, I mean, so many people have been talking about John Moxley versus Wheeler Yuta as a match that is can't miss a match that apparently Tony Khan came out afterwards and said, uh Wheeler Yuta was made from it. So I'm, I'm very much anticipating this one the most uh, out of anything on Friday night's programming.
3: And uh, just before we go to our UFC preview, uh, New Japan's card for Saturday morning, 4 a.m. Eastern with Hyper Battle at Sumo Hall features Kazuchika Okada in the main event against Zack Sabre Jr., IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match between El Desperado and Sho. And then we are going to get the tag title match with Hirooki Goto and Yoshihashi taking on Jeff Cobb and Great Khan for the never openweight championship. Evil defends against Hiromu Takahashi, Toriano against Taichi in the King of Pro Wrestling uh, championship match. Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wato against El Phantasma and Taiji Ishimori for the Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles. Osprey and Hanare against Shingo and Tatsuya Naito. And opening it up in an 8-man is Hironi- Hiroshi Tanahashi, the Gorillas of Destiny, and Jado against Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Yujiro, and Ghetto. Uh, will you be watching this on the airplane way?
0: Probably not on the airplane. I don't think I'm, I, I have Wi-Fi on the airplane. But uh, yeah, maybe afterwards.
3: All right. Well, uh, New Japan will be going on Saturday morning, and then Saturday night, the UFC is back with a card from Jacksonville, Florida, the state that uh, was was behind the UFC nonstop the last two years. And we've got two championship fights in the main event, and a very big fight uh, at welterweight with uh, Hamza Chemaev taking on Gilbert Burns, and into preview this card is the Lord of the Court himself, Phil Chairtalk, who will be hosting the UFC 273 post-show with Eric Marcotte minutes after the pay-per-view concludes. And your opening statement to recap that main event will be what, Phil? Uh, and still, champ, I mean,
1: you know, it's a pretty, uh, it's, it's uh it's dude,
3: three, these are some long odds for the, the this main event. There's not a whole lot of long. Well love you look for, at uh, the top three fights, right? Yes. Uh, top three fights are all
1: pretty uh heavy favorites. Um the action wise, they're still very interesting fights. I think that, you know, the uh first Aljamain versus uh Piotr Jan fight what well, even though it was fairly one sided, it was still a pretty uh, exciting fight up until the conclusion. And uh as we were just talking about, yeah. Alexander Volkanovsky, who's looked amazing, one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the world, is, uh, what, minus 800 right now?
3: Yeah, I mean, on on some books, he's as high as minus 800, but that, that's generally the range. DraftKings has him at minus uh, 720. You know, th- this was the fight that they, they wanted to make, the third fight with Max Holloway. He wasn't ready. They made the fight announcement. Then Holloway thought he could be ready, um, but this is our stand-in uh, with Chan Sung Jung, who is always a, a tremendous... Action-based fighter, but it's very rare, Phil, especially at this weight class, to see somebody uh, nine years removed from the last time he challenged for the featherweight title uh, getting another opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the Korean Zombie has certainly had an interesting career uh rising to prominence in WEC, becoming sort of Dana White's favorite uh, underground fighter, and then, you know, rising through the ranks and becoming a top contender in the UFC. He had a sabbatical when he was in the military. Uh, So all of that contributing to the time off. Uh, He's looked great despite uh, some losses. Um, And, uh, you know... You can't always put the number one guy in there every single time. It would be great to see Holloway in there again. I, I could watch that fight a thousand times, but, uh, even though he's you not might number... see it
3: a thousand times, it's possible. <laughs> uh,
1: but even though, uh, uh, Chang, uh, the Korean zombie, isn't, uh, the number one contender, I think it's still a pretty interesting fight and, uh, I'm okay with it.
3: Yeah. I, I just think Alexander Volkanovsky, he is at, um, it's such, such a high level at, at this point. It's not, um, you know, it, it would certainly be a massive upset for for Jung to win this fight. Um, and, and I would imagine that Max Holloway is in the wings for the winner of this fight. Can you see any other uh, opportunity of someone? And worth noting here that Henry Cejudo has been working extensively with, with Jung throughout this fight.
1: Yeah, I mean... I- Personally, I want to see the Max Holloway fight more than any other fight in the division because the first two were so close and it's like the highest level of MMA that you can get pretty much. Um, But I could see the UFC doing something different with Max just because he's such a notable personality if another, you know, key more marquee fight potentially opens up and that's also up to him. You know, he's already been to 155. I could see him doing that again. There was even talks of him taking another fight after this fight fell through. They were going to book him for uh, for something else. So, um but I do think it is the most uh, logical next fight uh if uh, Volkanovsky gets the W
3: Aljamain Sterling and uh, Piotr Jan, they have had uh, quite an extensive history at this point. They fought in March of last year, and that was the extremely controversial fight where uh, Jan was ahead on the scorecards. And then late in the fourth round, uh, Sterling goes to one knee. He is a grounded opponent, and you even hear referee Mark Smith acknowledge grounded. And several seconds later, Sterling gets rocked with a knee and cannot continue the fight. And they ruled it an intentional knee and therefore Jan was disqualified and therefore the title went to Sterling in that time. Sterling had neck surgery. It's put this fight off for uh, over a year. And during that time, Jan became the interim champion after he beat Corey Sandhagen and, and we get the rematch on Saturday night where um, Jan is deserves to be the favorite uh, going into this fight um, just having rewatched that fight, though, this this week, you know, Aljamain Sterling, it's, it's one that Jan has been a slower starter at times, and I would say several gave the second round to Sterling. I think this fight was not as um, much of a distance as kind of it's remembered, although Jan was handily winning this fight when it ended.
1: Yeah, I I definitely, uh, I haven't watched it again yet. I should before uh, tomorrow's card, but uh, I definitely recall Aljamain Sterling having several moments early in the fight. It was just Mm -hmm. more so as the fight progressed, the gap between them increased. And so with that being said, it just makes it a bit difficult to see how Aljo can get the W here if the fight goes long. Now, that being said, you know, coming off surgery, who knows what his injury state was uh, going into that first fight as well, you know, knowing the mistakes of the first fight, knowing the deficiencies, maybe it's an opportunity to correct those things. Maybe he, he can uh, increase his cardio to be ready to go hard for all five rounds. So I, I'm expecting a very game, Aljamain Sterling.
3: I think the, the stats that uh, jumped out the most uh when I was looking at them for the last fight uh Piotr Jan's takedowns he was seven for seven Sterling one for 17 to mm-hmm. me that has to be corrected by Sterling and I think that would also explain um just what why, why Sterling was, was certainly getting more tired as the fight progressed he was working hard for those takedowns and having no answer for them
1: yeah um you know, I wonder if this is going to be reminiscent of Colby versus Usman 2, where mm-hmm. Colby was a lot more measured in his pacing and had a better performance in the second fight.
3: I would say the fight that. Probably has the most attention is that of Hamza Chemayev who is taking on Gilbert Burns. Uh, Chemayev has stormed into the UFC. He had a, a bit of a sabbatical. He's fought four times, uh, but it's coming off that technical submission of Li Jingliang last October at UFC 267. And it, it This is the most significant fight that he has had uh, in his career. He's only been out of the first round three times in his career, so you always have that question attached to him. But it seems like this this is a rising star that people have very few doubts on and if he beats Gilbert burns, like what is the the ceiling for Chemaev coming out of this? I mean, the
1: reality is he should be prepared for a title shot if he can defeat Gilbert Burns and if he can do it in a fashion that's similar to his last victory over Lee. Um, Now, that might not necessarily be realistic from a promotional standpoint, right? You want to build up these fighters uh, and sending you know kind of an unknown undefeated fighter to take on your uh, pound-for-pound champ might not be the best idea. On paper, what makes the most sense is Colby Covington. Because you know he's uh, he was already so close to the title and he's such a name and it, it would generate a lot of buzz, but it just seems like maybe the UFC wouldn't want to sacrifice Colby in such a fashion and would want to use him for another uh, more high-profile fight. But in terms of the skill cap on this guy it it's, it's almost hard to imagine. I mean, just through this week, we've seen all these uh, I've seen all this footage resurface of people talking about the, this, these guys in Sweden, this famous quote from uh, Brian Stan that Ariel confirmed. And then uh, recently I just saw one about uh, Alexander Gustafson talking about these, uh, these guys uh, who are from Russia, who are in the gym were just unbelievable. And he was talking about uh, Hamzat there. So um you know, uh, you know, what's the limit? I don't know. The sky's the limit for this guy, it seems.
3: Yeah. I mean, to me, it's it, it's just remarkable to see this line uh, against Gilbert Burns. I think like this is, um, you know, a guy that was fighting for the championship uh, a year ago. So obviously, it represents the biggest fight of Chamaev's career. And with a win, yeah, it's, um, it's right to the top of the division that he goes. And then the main card rounds out with Mackenzie Dern against Tisha Torres and Olympic silver medalist Mark O. Madsen taking on Vince from hell, Pichel. And any other highlights on this card that are uh, jumping out to you on the undercard, Phil?
1: Um, well, just the appearance of Ian Gary, who's somebody who has a lot of hype behind him. Um, he uh, had a... Strong performance in his first uh, UFC fight not too long ago, although uh, he looked shaky a little bit early in that fight, got hits. He's going up against uh, Darian Weeks, who's somebody who's only had one fight in the UFC, but I thought he gave a pretty strong performance. This, this is a pretty wide uh, betting line on this fight. I think it's a little bit more even than the line would have it. So Ian Gary, one to watch, uh, and then some other okay names down the card. But this is, uh, I, I believe, this is an event about the top three fights.
3: Yeah, very much so. You've got uh, Canadian Mike Malott, who's also uh, opening up the televised prelims against Mickey Gall. So uh, with, with Mickey Gall, it's been a lot of uh, kind of inconsistency. And for Malott, he had that, you know, 39-second win on the Contender Series. Interesting. I don't know Malott about him. Phil talk, everybody, live minutes after UFC 273 on Saturday <laughs> night with Eric Marcotte. Uh, thank you, as always, Phil. And I imagine uh, the Discord will be rocking on Saturday night.
1: Absolutely. Uh, We've been uh, running predictions as usual. Uh, I believe that Eric has been surpassed finally uh, on the fight board. Oh, my gosh. The number one predictor currently for the season, our man, Neil Flanagan.
3: The The MMA MMA prognosticator
1: (laughs) himself, (laughs) Neil. Unbelievable. Yes. Leading the charge, Scott Ferry in second place, me in third place. Eric, fourth place. What's happening this year,
3: Eric? I mean explain yourself well you can you can find out more if uh, if neil can run the table on saturday <laughs> night you can uh, join the discard go straight to postwrestling.com there's a button at the top that will take you right in there and then the post show live here on the youtube channel right after ufc 273 with phil and eric always great to chat with you phil and enjoy the card on saturday night
1: yes thank you very much guys take care
3: thanks phil and that is going to wrap things up not uh, just
0: yet john we got a few super chats
3: after we go to the super chats
0: Yes, first one is MMA related. It comes to us from Brandon from New Jersey, no stranger to the Discord himself. He asks, "Should Hamzat Chamaya be being affiliated with Kadyrov, and what he is doing in the Ukraine bothered the fight fan?" Kareem Zidane has done great work on that sub.
3: Um, yeah, it's uh, that's a uh, quite a loaded topic uh, to to go into. That I don't think we're going to have the time to discuss the uh, the the world politics of such. But um, yeah, there. Is that affiliation? And he is not the only fighter that has had uh, an affiliation with Kadyrov um, that I I would certainly uh, implore people to go check out uh, Karim Zidane's work because I think he is as much on top of that as anyone in the MMA uh, journalist space. And that's um, it's a conflict that is going to have an issue with with some people and for others, they are going to separate the the, those politics. Um, But it's certainly a very relevant topic to be discussing.
0: We got a couple from Rory here who sends uh, two $8 Super Chats. Thank you, Rory. He says, love to see AEW and New Japan so close going forward. I'm sure we will see ROH on there as well. Where does Impact and MLW land in the scene right now? And a follow-up he has. Also, what is the vibe with MLW right now? I find it and Court are very closed off to the rest of the scene should they interact more with the others.
3: I mean, they just had Swerve Strickland on their show last week. Um, I don't know what it means to, like, interact with the others, but we've seen um, d- different talent on those shows um, that they've used. Impact, it's... I mean, it's, it's a different sense in that they are owned by a media company, and therefore, um, I don't think you can expect, like, Impact is going to be ending up on another broadcaster unless there was such a, you know, uh, enticing deal for them. And with MLW... I think yeah, it's it's finding that, that next jump that is going to take them to another level. Um, you know, being on on BN sports, I think like it's it's got its its limited audience and they like that that is the game right now is being able to find, you know, big distribution that comes with the the revenue attached to it and Thus far, outside of WWE and AEW, that has been the struggle for pro wrestling companies to be able to uh, benefit from that to to a sizable degree. And I I would also put Ring of Honor in there. Um, Mark Ramundi just did an interview with with Tony Khan, and Khan stated like he is hopeful of Ring of Honor being a weekly series. And the question will be is that is is Ring of Honor as sort of its own brand? Is that going to be something that is enticing for whether it be within Warner Media or if they have the ability to shop it elsewhere? Like does Ring of Honor have that interest?
0: All right. We go up next to Imran, who says, thanks for all the great content over the past week. Now that we're a few days out, who is both of yours MVP for WrestleMania? Imran from Huddersfield
3: for WrestleMania or all of the, the entire weekend? Because if it's the entire weekend, it's speedball Mike Bailey. If it is just those WrestleMania, th- those two nights, um, I would say in the buildup to it that uh, I think Kevin Owens did a remarkable job building up everything for, for Steve Austin. And it climaxed in a huge, uh, a huge match on Saturday night. That was t- a ton of buzz. Um, I would also say Seth Rollins. He was fantastic in that match w- with, with Cody Rhodes. I thought his performance was um, may- maybe the best of either night of any one performer.
0: Yeah, I personally would probably go with Kevin Owens myself. I thought he did a tremendous job in that main event and, and really kind of made that moment work for, for everybody. Uh, probably for many people, the highlight of that particular show. Um, Sami Zayn as well. Of course, you have to mention. You know, he did a
3: he did a tremendous tremendous job. Yes, I put him in that category too.
0: Okay, and finally, we got a Raymond Terry who says, John and Wade, take a look at Tony Khan's most recent tweet. And uh, this was interesting. Yeah, I mean, so Tony Khan tweets just 18 minutes ago, an independent study has confirmed that much of the staunch anti-AEW online community aren't real individuals. It's a staff running thousands of accounts and an army of bots to signal boost them. Look closely. These aren't real people. Who paid for such a wildly expensive thing? Ever wonder why so much of the activity of these accounts is retweets and replies? Like, who actually has eighty percent of their activity as straight up retweets? Okay, interesting. Interesting. Oh,
3: there you uh, go. There you go. An independent study. Um, yeah, hmm. I think I think you'd want a little bit more into that. Um, like, if they could provide like the results, and yeah, looking into that. It, it, does that sound like a preposterous um, uh, conclusion? No. No, I can certainly see that that being uh, something out there. But I, I think you also need uh, a little more depth than, than just that tweet to uh, really go into that.
0: And he has that, you know, like an independent study. I mean, what's the independent study? I'd love to really see it before we could really mm-hmm. kind of comment ourselves. But um, thank you, everybody, for all of your support.
3: All right. That's going to wrap it up uh, way, I won't get to talk to you tonight. Uh, you will be back here with Kate from Montreal, 1105 Eastern, uh, but have a tremendous vacation. Uh, we will chat with you when you get back. And uh, this weekend, again, UFC 273 post-show late Saturday night, right after the fights end here on the channel. Some point this weekend, I will have a bonus show for cafe members going over the new Japan show and then I am back on Monday in this very time slot, 1 p.m. Eastern time, and I will be joined by ESPN's Mark Ramondi. And we will be chatting the fallout of UFC 273 and going into a lot of wrestling chat as well, because he just interviewed Tony Khan. He was at WrestleMania weekend, front and center for a uh, spring break, where the, uh, he was there as the, uh, with, with the light tube spot involving uh, Alex oh Colon yeah so there you go he was uh, like in the front row right there uh so looking forward to chatting with mark on the show on monday so that is it go check out postwrestling.com and that is it for your post daily news show